Welcome to The Snap with Sydney Jones. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Broncos Podcast Network and YouTube for this week's edition of The Snap. I'm Sydney Jones, your host, and joining me today is NFL Network reporter Aditi Kinkabwala, who is based in Pittsburgh and covers the Steelers a lot through the season and the offseason. So she's here to help get us up to speed on this Broncos-Steelers matchup. And of course, we'll learn more about her role at NFL Network as well. Aditi, such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to join me. Sydney, I'm smiling so big because I am deliriously happy to be here, and I am so impressed with how well you said my name, and you never even asked me how to say it. I'm not going to lie, I've been practicing today. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been watching the NFL Network, at least. That's what... Always. That's awesome. Well, I'm trying to go by Aditi, you know, like a dozen years into the covering the NFL, everybody's still like Aditi Kinkabwala. There is not another Aditi covering the NFL, for as far as I know. There's not. (laughs) Can you believe it's already week five, though? I know we still have like 13 more weeks of the regular season, but I just feel like these first five weeks have flown by. They have, but it also, it's to your point, it still feels like there's a lot of football to be played. You know, it's as if we want to make these grand statements, who's falling apart and who's suddenly, you know, doing what, and is the NFC West really wide open now that the Cardinals beat the Rams? And it just, I don't know, it's it's still to some degree feels early to me. Well, I know you're based in Pittsburgh, DD, but where are you going to be this weekend? Is there a specific game you're going to be covering? No, actually, you know, what's very funny is that I have the weekend off because the NFL Network is airing the London game on Sunday. And so because of that, we do not have our pregame show. And because of that, I'm actually going to see what it's like to watch football as a fan. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure, though, that I can do it in my house because my husband apparently in my absence has become a red zone watcher. And as much as I love Scott Hansen, I like watching a whole game, like from start to finish. And you get a feel for the rhythm and the tempo and what's going on. And I like defense, kind of like Vic Fangio. So I don't really necessarily red zone is all about scoring. I like to see the great defensive plays. I'm with you too. I don't really like red zone either. You know, it's nice to see what's going on in every game around the league, but I'm like you, I like to watch a game from start to finish to really develop those storylines throughout the games for sure. And that is, that is one of those things too. You know, it's it's so hard. You and I talked about this earlier. This season feels so much better to be back in stadiums when we can actually be on the field, when we can actually talk to people, when there are actually fans in the stands. And I'll tell you, Sydney, week one, I was up in Buffalo I got stuck in traffic at 7.30 a.m. 7.30 a.m. for a 1 p.m. kick, trying to get into the stadium because Buffalo Bills fans were already lined up for the parking lots. And it wasn't just me, by the way. An hour and a half later, Josh Allen got stuck in traffic. I actually, on air, said, Bills fans, get out of the way so your quarterback can get in. But having said all of that, love the energy, love being back on the field, all of that. But when you cover more than one team, it's hard to kind of keep abreast of what everybody else is doing. So this weekend, I'm excited to get to see a little bit more of the Browns, a little bit more of the Ravens, a little bit more of some other teams and not just the game that I'm at. Yeah. Well, I'm jealous. Congratulations for having the weekend off. Get to hang out. (laughs) I don't, Sydney, I have two little kids. I'm never off. (laughs) So fair. Well, Aditi, let's chat just about this Broncos-Steelers matchup just for a little bit. You know, the Broncos are three and one, head into Pittsburgh, take on taking on a Steelers team who have lost their last three games. Is there anything that stands out kind of about this matchup to you? Anything that excites you really? 
Well, I think that the Broncos come in here, obviously, with injuries at quite a few key positions. And the Teddy Bridgewater question is really the biggest question here. He's been so successful in pushing this offense downfield. We saw a week ago with the Broncos how different they looked when Drew Locke came in. If this Steelers defense, which has been tremendous, which is indeed tremendous, faces Drew Locke, you're looking at something very, very different than if it's facing Teddy Bridgewater. And I think a big part of that is that this Steelers defense prides itself on trying to create what Mike Tomlin likes to call splash plays, meaning forcing turnovers, potentially scoring, game-breaking moments like that. And Teddy's been really good at not making mistakes in that way. Um, Drew Locke might press a little bit more, perhaps. I don't know. So I think that that's a key, and it's especially a key because the Steelers' offense has been putrid. I mean, I had been saying anemic. I had been saying struggling. But at this point, it is just painful to watch. And you mentioned, I mean, I probably shouldn't admit this, right? But you mentioned I do indeed live in Pittsburgh. And so in theory, even though I'm not on the clock, I could be going to Heinz Field to watch the Steelers and the Broncos play in person. And other than the fact that I, you know, cover football however many weeks in a year, 20, 21, 22 weeks out of the year, um, I've watched a lot of Steelers offense lately, and I don't know that I need to watch any more Steelers <laughs> offense in person. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, that sounded really biased. I don't mean that. So the Steelers are certainly hoping that offensively, they can take some steps. The trouble here is that Ben Roethlisberger, who just has not looked like he hoped to look or like Steelers fans hoped he would look, is now dealing with on top of this chest, this pec injury, a hip injury. And he very openly said yesterday, Sydney, or said Wednesday, that that is affecting his ability to throw the ball and that he feels part of why he is missing on so many throws has to do with his footwork and his lower body, how he's stepping into the pocket, how he is stepping. So if you've got a lower body injury and you're saying the reason that you're not connecting on a lot of throws is what you're doing with your lower body, not really a formula for um, success, unless he's you know just kind of under-promising and over-delivering, which maybe he is. <laughs> right. Yeah, what do you think he needs to kind of work through this week, I know you mentioned those injuries, but is there anything he can do, you know, moving into Sunday to kind of step up this weekend? You know, to be fair, the Steelers offense, just like any offense, nothing happens in a vacuum, right? So it's all those puzzle pieces put together and the Steelers completely rebuilt their offensive line this offseason but they didn't do it with a lot of money. You know, you hear about teams that go out and rebuild their lines and get a lot of high price free agents or invest first round picks. So you look at the Browns who had tremendous offensive play a year ago, which completely changed the way Baker Mayfield was able to play. And, you know, their first round pick was their left tackle. They had high priced free agents, obviously. Um, some of the best players in the game, the Steelers didn't do it that way. So, and they also didn't go out and get themselves one of the most experienced or well-versed offensive line coaches. Just the offensive line coaching has not been the same since Mike Munchak left Pittsburgh for Denver. And I'm sure everybody in Denver we recognizes. Yes. Well, everybody loves Coach Munchak. I mean, I miss Coach Munchak on a daily basis. And 
several former Steelers offensive linemen actually refer to him as football Jesus. <laughs> and that's not said with anything other than the highest level of respect. Coaching makes so much of a difference, obviously. The Steelers have, you know, they're on their second offensive line coach since Coach Munchak left. So they have a new offensive line with a first year offensive line coach who is new or is in his first year as a head position coach in the NFL. The line has struggled. The line has struggled to run block. The line has struggled to pass protect. Now this last week, week four, they did actually pass protect a little bit better, but Ben Roethlisberger, who's 39 years old, who's had you know the crap beat, in, beat out of him, he was, I mean, he's been sacked. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but last week I said he had been sacked multiple times in three consecutive games. Yeah. The last time that that happened was six years ago when he was 33 years old and a totally different player. So that would make anybody skittish, right? So even though he had a little bit more time, he's had to get used to getting rid of the ball as quickly as possible. Well, his receivers aren't necessarily doing him any favors. They're not really getting a lot of separation. Are they not getting separation because they haven't had time to get separation because the line isn't giving their quarterback time to get separation? It's all of that. And then meanwhile, the Steelers use their first round pick on a running back but it's not a running back alone who makes a run game right. and they just haven't had the run game they haven't had the play action pass game they've talked about ben roethlisberger hasn't really gone under center because of a variety of reasons so i don't know that there's like one magic wand you need all of these things to go well and you need to play ahead a little bit as opposed to playing from behind you know you're not establishing a run game if you're in a hole and you're not able to do anything if you don't establish a run game and thus far the Steelers haven't been able to do that right and the Steelers are going to have a tough challenge this weekend you know going up against this Broncos pass rush and with Von Miller and company you know Von has just been on a roll this year. He already has four and a half sacks on the season. So the offensive line is going to have another tough challenge. I'm telling you, Von Miller probably put on that Raiders tape and he saw what Solomon Thomas and Max Crosby did. And he was just like, all right. The one thing I will say though, even though Ben Roethlisberger is older, even though Ben Roethlisberger cannot move the way that he once did, even though Ben Roethlisberger isn't necessarily shedding tacklers, shedding, shedding would-be sackers the way he once did, Max Crosby did tell me he is still a very tough dude to bring down because he is still six foot five and 250, right. 260 pounds. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's that, I guess. Well, Aditi, you mentioned the run game, Najee Harris. I mean, like you mentioned, I know the Steelers, they're last in the league in rushing yards per game, but it, it kind of seemed like Najee Harris, you know, kind of gained some traction last week against Packers. You know, he rushed for a season best 61 yards. Is the run game kind of slowly but surely getting going? Like what can the Broncos really expect this weekend? I mean, I think that that's what the Steelers would say. I think that that's what they would like to believe. And look, we're talking, there's a brand new offense with a brand new offensive play caller, with a brand new offensive line, with a brand new running back. So that's a lot of brand new pieces. That certainly, and you know, they didn't play as a group together in the preseason. So you would expect things to break. And also Najee Harris, I mean, look, yes, he is a first round pick. Yes, he is everything that he's been advertised. Yes, the Steelers general manager, Kevin Colbert said, this is a guy that can get invisible yards. At the same token, the speed of the NFL game is different. And the Steelers offense is very different than the one that Najee Harris was used to playing in. Because quite frankly, at Alabama, he had arguably the best offensive line in the country. He had two first round receivers who were demanding a ton of defensive attention. And he had a first round quarterback. Okay, so like, very different. Defenses weren't keying on him. 
the same way that they are now. So he's getting used to a different speed of a game, a different pace of a game. Defense is keying on him and not necessarily other players attracting defensive attention. And reading holes is reading holes. You know, it's different. It's just, we've got to give him a little bit of a learning curve. So I think the fact that you saw more per carry out of him last week, I think that you did see more yardage. I think all of that are good signs. Um, but I do think that, you know, Denver comes in here looking to shut down the run first and foremost, just like any team, any week, that's what they'll tell you. And that's how you can tee up the pass rush, right? Exactly. Well, Aditi, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater earlier. Obviously, he's been suffering with a concussion. We did find out Thursday that he was at practice, but is limited. Just your thoughts. I want to hear what the buzz is around league circles, you know, about Teddy Bridgewater and, you know, how he's done so far this season, because he's been off to a really great start. Minus. I, I don't know anybody, Sydney, I have to tell you this. I don't know anybody who doesn't root for Teddy Bridgewater. And I think that that's one of the, you know, like, if you're in the league long enough, you're going to run into somebody who doesn't like somebody. Right. But there are certain players that you just don't ever hear. Not only you don't hear anything bad about them, but you actively constantly hear, this is a guy we'd like to see make it. This is a guy we'd like to see succeed. This is someone that, you know, deserves whatever success he can get. And I think that even though you kind of had this like protracted quarterback battle in the preseason, Denver believed in him. I mean, why would Denver have gone out and gotten him if they didn't think that Teddy was capable of so much here? And I think, I mean, if it was just for validation or affirmation to be able to win a battle as opposed to being anointed the quarterback, okay, great, whatever. But you can speak to this a lot better than I can. From afar, it certainly seems like he's got command of that huddle, he's got command of that locker room, that players like playing with him, that he brings a certain level of calm and levelness I don't even think that's a word, but whatever, you know, <laughs> to a huddle. And again, I think not making mistakes is a really, sometimes we don't talk enough about that. It takes me back, Sydney, my first NFL beat was covering the New York Giants. And Eli Manning was not like giving you necessarily, other than in the playoffs, that like crazy flashy throw. But he knew when to throw the ball away to live to see another down. He knew how to keep himself safe so that he was available to his team every single week and those are things that maybe aren't as flashy as Lamar Jackson doing his crazy Madden thing or Russell Wilson like just heaving the ball downfield but they still matter so so much and I think that Teddy Bridgewater certainly deserves a heck of a lot of credit for being that guy right now I think so too. Keep nodding. So, okay. Am I getting it right? Even though I'm not there? I mean, you're the one that's actually there. Absolutely. I was just going to say, it, it's been really fun to watch Teddy come in. And like you mentioned, you know, take control of the huddle, take control of this offense, because he, he brings some type of demeanor about him. And you kind of, you mentioned right. it, calm, cool, and collected, but there's something about him that you listen when he, when he talks, like he, he brings this sort of leadership where, you know, he's just one of the guys too, but like you listen, like, you know, whatever he's going to say is going to be important, which is, yeah, I, I think it's a different game with him and no offense to Drew Locke, you know, like not to malign him in any way, but I certainly, I really hope he can go just, I mean, you don't want anybody to be hurt period, you know? So. Well, last one about the matchup here for you, Aditi, is there a player, whether on, you know, the Steelers, the Broncos this weekend that might be someone to watch who might have, you know, a big impact on this game? 
I can't believe you just did that. I like literally asked someone the same question about a Thursday night football matchup and I didn't have an answer prepared. Who you're basically saying, who is my X factor right here? Um, it's not under the radar, but can TJ Watt tee it up? Can TJ Watt, the way that TJ Watt played week one, he was a game breaker. He showed why he is the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. And because TJ Watt could play like that, then um, the other side, Alex Highsmith could play a certain way. Cam Hayward could play a certain way. It was, again, all of those puzzle pieces. And when the Steelers pass rush is doing what it wants to do, then the back end, then the coverage situation is that much tighter. And so there are certain guys that you need to be game breakers. And again, it's just, I mean, if the Steelers offense carries the day, then that's going to be a surprise for everyone. So I think if you're going to bank on something, you're banking on the Steelers defense to carry the game, the day. And then you need the best player on the field to play like the best player on the field. And TJ Watt has been struggling since, not struggling, but he struggled with a groin injury early, you know, that pulled him out for a game. And so he's now coming back from that. If he can have... The type of game where we say that's why tj watt is tj watt you know this is why we talk about him as a potential defensive player of the year then i think that bodes well yeah, he's, right he's definitely gonna be a tough challenge for our offensive line who did struggle in our last game against the ravens it's a cliche that everything starts up front but everything does start up front it's a cliche to say that you know this is all about the battle of the trenches but it is always about the battle of the trenches so it's a cliche for a reason yeah exactly well, Aditi, appreciate your insight on the Steelers and your help getting Broncos country up to speed on this matchup, but let's switch gears a little bit. You know, as many of our listeners know here on the snap, one of our main goals is to highlight women's impact in, in, in around the NFL. So just want to dive into your career for a couple of minutes uh, to start. Can you tell us a little bit about your role with NFL network? I know there's you know so many different facets to it. Sure. Uh, well, I am a field reporter who is based out of Pittsburgh, and uh, the NFL Network's model is that all of our reporters are based in different cities. Denver is home to one of our most fabulous reporters, James Palmer, of course. And the idea behind that is so that we're all kind of easily deployable to different regions. And my first few years at the NFL Network, I traveled a monstrous amount. Part of that is because the Steelers were eight and eight both of those years. and. Uh, I went, I think each of those years, I went to 18 different teams. The last few years, things have really sort of centered around the AFC North. And a lot of that is just because the Steelers, the Ravens and the Browns make so much news. Some of it is very convenient. I now have two children instead of zero children, which is what I had when I started. So traveling is, um, whereas I used to raise my hand constantly and say, send me, send me, send me. <laughs> yeah, now it's a little bit more of a juggle. I still like going. I sleep better on the road. <laughs> Don't tell my kids I said that, or my husband, actually. I miss my kids more than my husband. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, so yeah, so we, so I do that, obviously. Uh, I also, for the NFL, have just launched five weeks ago a brand new podcast. The NFL has a relationship with iHeart, but you can hear it on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's called NFL Explained. And Sydney, I'm actually really proud of this because it's just a fun listen. You know, it's very different than anything out there. NFL Explained because it's sort of evergreen, timeless topics. We hit, um, you know, how every team got its name, every single thing that you'd ever want to know about goalposts, which 
might be a little bit sore for you, but Justin Tucker was our guest. You know, why are they yellow? Why are the uprights 35 feet in the air? Things like that. Um, how did Monday Night Football start? We did that one. This week, just now, we've dropped everything about international games, how the NFL started playing overseas. So it's kind of like for a really good fan, for, for a very well-versed fan, you're still going to learn some things that'll help you at Jeopardy or Bar Trivia or whatever. And if... At, <laughs> Then there's one of the children that I just referenced. Hi, darling. I'm so happy. I'll talk to you in just a minute. Okay, baby, mommy's recording something. Okay, so, and my son, should I just mention this really briefly? My son is a Buffalo Bills fan, and we're not quite sure why or how that happened, other than mommy was covering the Bills during the draft when Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds were drafted. And my son's daddy is a Steelers fan. Ah. Yes, and so my son's father doesn't really love that his son loves the Bills, but <laughs> as my six-year-old says, get over it, Dad. I love it. Oh, and here he is. Hi, darling. <laughs> Sorry, Hi, thank you. Okay, say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> So cute. In any case, yes. So I do the podcast. I really encourage you, NFL Explained. Please give it a listen. Um, I am a field reporter. I also, you know, occasionally fill in and host or do whatever is necessary at the NFL Network. And we're obviously content is being distributed differently. It's being consumed differently. So we're all just trying to keep pace with whatever else is you know, up there. Yes, and we all have multiple jobs now. So I feel like I should also say that I'm on CBS Sports. We need to talk since you're talking about women and women empowerment. I love, love, love this show. You watch it. I was gonna ask you about that too. Okay, so then I shouldn't step all over you. Go ahead. No, that's okay, keep going. I was gonna ask you, you know, for maybe some of our viewers who don't know, what is the show and what's discussed on it? You know, and here's a little funny um, Broncos story, actually, Broncos related story. So I made my debut on We Need to Talk. So first, let me go back. We Need to Talk has been around for, I believe, seven or eight years at this point, eight years. And it was imagined as a sports talk show let's go beyond the headlines let's talk a little bit deeper but all of the panelists are women and so this group is Andrea Kramer who's in the Hall of Fame Leslie Visser who's in the Hall of Fame women like Swin Cash who is a superstar basketball player and is now at, I believe the highest ranking female executive on a team with the New Orleans Pelicans. I want to call them the Saints because I'm so she's from Pittsburgh, by the way, and she's also a Steelers fan anyway. Um, so it's this unbelievable Dana Jacobson and Tracy Wolfson and Katrina Adams, who ran the UTSA and was formerly the U USTA and was formerly a professional tennis player and Summer Sanders and Dara Torres, Olympic swim, former Olympic swimmers, Lisa Leslie, the all time greatest female basketball player ever. So it's this rotating cast of these very, very interesting, brilliant women and me, but anyway, <laughs> these interesting women and um, every month it's a different foursome, which brings a different POV. And, you know, we try to obviously talk about the big stories of the moment, but also highlight things that maybe don't necessarily get the same amount of attention. And what's amazing about it is the commitment that CBS has given it, that it has 
you know, lasted for this long. We're trying to make, we've hired a new social media person to kind of take the next big jump. And I just recorded an episode this week, actually, or we just aired an episode. Meg Linehan, who works for The Athletic, has broken this enormously important story about unbelievable scandals racking the National Women's Soccer League. And, you know, so it was an opportunity to sort of say, hey, here's something that's going on. Let's move the conversation forward. What should, you know, women's leagues, how should women's leagues be structured? Why are we still talking about the same things again and again and again? Like, what should we be doing? Um, And I love it because it's very different. You know, Sydney, when I do my hits on the NFL Network, most of the time I'm talking for 40 seconds and I'm giving you as brief, you know, the most important information. Sometimes we get into a little nuance, sometimes we get into a little depth, but you can't often, it's harder. It's harder to kind of show your um, sense of humor or your emotion or your personal feeling in that format, which I'm not, I mean, that's what that format is. My job at the NFL network is to dispense as much information and context as I possibly can. CBS sports allows me to sort of take on a little bit of a different role, um, have fun, hit weighty topics, all of that. So I like that. And then I also, um, am a host on serious NFL radio. So I try to keep busy. Well, I absolutely love We Need to Talk. I've seen a couple episodes on YouTube and every now and again on CBS Sports Network. So I'm excited that there's a new one out this week. So I'll have to look that up. Thank you. Yes. And October 23rd on Big Boy CBS, I'll be on again. So look at all these plugs. And I didn't even ask you. I was like, can I plug my podcast? Can I plug other shows? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm just hoping that I have, you know, some little more Denver, uh, Denver love coming my way. For sure. I hope so too. Well, Aditi, I know your path to get to the NFL network was probably not an easy one. So for our listeners who might not know, can you kind of walk me through how you got to where you are today? Uh, Sure. I went to Cornell and I was pre-law, an American studies major. And um, about a week before graduation or my a few months before graduation, I realized I didn't want to go to law school right away. So I was going to take a year off and do something completely different. And I, for whatever reason, accepted a job as a financial analyst at Bloomberg, which makes zero sense. I suck at math. I can't sit still. You see that I have trouble focusing. I don't even know. First of all, like, why did they even offer me a job? Who knows? But anyway, a week before graduation, the sports editor, of the San Antonio Express News sent me an email and he said, hey, I've got this great job. I think you'd be perfect for it. You should apply. And my initial response as a person who was born in New York, grew up in New Jersey, went to Cornell, was Texas. Yeah, don't think so. (laughs) Then I thought, okay, this is an all expenses paid trip to a city that I've never been to. So I'm just going to go on this interview. Well, I went on the interview and I fell in love with this city. I fell in love in a completely platonic way with the guy that would be my boss. He in fact is still my mentor to this day and spoke at my wedding when I got married. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to law school anyway, but instead of being a financial analyst for a year, I'll go cover high school football in Texas for a year. And maybe that'll make for a better application when I go to law school. And probably for about seven years, as I continued from the San Antonio Express News to the Bergen Record to, you know, SI.com, my dad kept asking me, so when are you going to go to law school? When are you going to go to law school? And it wasn't until I was hired by the Wall Street Journal that my parents stopped asking me, when are you going to go to law school? 
it was definitely, you know, it was very, very untraditional. I'm the daughter of Indian immigrants. My father's a chemical engineer. My mom's a math professor. So I think that, you know, like they didn't know anybody's, nobody's kids were sports writers, you know, like they're doctors and engineers and in hedge funds and things like that. So I think that that was definitely a little bit odd and a funny story when the NFL Network hired me. So I was at the Wall Street Journal and then prior to the Giants playing the 49ers in the NFC title game in 2012, I was on the NFL Network for I'm not kidding, maybe like three minutes, you know, like it was just one of those like let's go to a no local newspaper writer to talk about the matchup like a local expert. So I was on TV for three minutes before that NFC title game. This is the year that the Giants then went to go play the Patriots and beat them again. This was the pass to the Eli Manning to Mario Manningham pass, not the Eli Manning to David Tyree pass. <laughs> so anyway, um, I was on TV for about three minutes and then a few weeks later the NFL Network offered me a job. So I went from being a newspaper writer my whole you know, career to suddenly going to television, having never done any television of any kind. I didn't know that you're not supposed to scream into a microphone at the Superdome, that the microphone is so powerful, it'll pick you up. I didn't know that you're not supposed to write a script because I used to write these like 2000 word stories and you're supposed to just talk, not like memorize. I was really, really, really awful my first year. The guy that hired me actually got up in a meeting, I was told, and said to everybody, I was wrong. She doesn't have it. She can't make it. I'm sorry. Okay. And guess what? I'm still there. You are. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So it's been, it's definitely been, um, well, Aditi, last question for you, just to bring us full circle here. We like to end on, you know, empowering women, empowering others in this industry. So what's one piece of advice you'd give someone, you know, looking to get in this industry, no matter what area of it they really want to work in? I don't think it could be one, but the one would be be fearless. You know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid if someone tells you, well, you're a girl and you're not supposed to do that. Don't be afraid if, you know, when I told, I told a boss when I was pregnant with my son, I told someone that I reported to that I was pregnant and he said, you can't do this. Well, you can't do this job and have a baby. And I said, no, 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 I will decide whether I can or I can't. You know, it was a moment that I definitely could have been afraid. Oh my gosh, will I lose my job? And I'll be perfectly honest. I was afraid for people to find out, but don't be afraid to go up to somebody. Don't be afraid to ask a question. No question is stupid. If it teaches you something, if you learn something, if it helps you explain something, then it was definitely a worthy question. Don't be afraid if somebody gives you a look because he doesn't want to answer the question. Don't be afraid if someone makes you feel bad about being other whether other is being female or short or tall or having not played the game or whatever it is, just don't be afraid. And most importantly, don't be afraid to ask other people for help. So when I sit here and I talk about my career and you know, I, it's easy now to joke about how terrible I was on television my first year, but I had so many people help me. Melissa Stark is someone who just would sit and talk to me about, okay, don't wear, I mean, I remember, I used to wear these big earrings because I thought like, oh, you're on television, you're supposed to look a certain way. Right. But as you can tell, I move when I talk and I motion. And, and Melissa said to me, when you do that, the earrings are a distraction. I'm focusing on your earrings move. So right. it, that, it's a very small minor thing, obviously, and she's helped me with so much more. But things like that, go to people who have done it before you. And I promise you, people really do almost, you know, 99% of the people are going to want to help you. 
and don't want you to make the same mistakes that you made. I'll, Andrea Kramer is someone who calls me and, you know, sometimes I hang up the phone crying and it's because she talks to me so tough and she talks to me that tough because she sees me doing the exact same mistakes, making the exact same mistakes that she made. 20 years ago. And she's like, I don't want you making yourself crazy the way I made myself crazy. I don't think that I am where I am if I don't have a champion like Andrea Kramer. And, and I'm obviously this, you know what this feels like, Sydney? This feels like the Oscars. I'm forgetting somebody. I should have like a list of all these people. But the point is, is seek out mentors, ask questions. Don't be afraid in the face of anything. Really, I mean, I guess that that's all I can say, which is so if anybody has any questions for me, find me, send me messages. I'm not always the best at responding in a timely manner, but I will respond. And if I don't hit me again, it just means that like I'm busy changing a diaper and I missed your message. <laughs> no, that is I feel like it's important to say that my job is not all glam because I think like every time I tell somebody, oh, I'm a reporter on the NFL network, they're just like, oh, wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, Cindy? And there's a lot more to it than uh, just the glam part. Exactly. Well, Aditi, seriously cannot thank you enough for taking the time to chat today. It was such oh, a... I am so flattered to have been asked. I so appreciate that you're doing this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Snap. Thanks so much for tuning in and make sure to meet me right back here on the Broncos Podcast Network and YouTube next Friday for another episode.